You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Church, I'm going for a record. But not the record you are thinking of. I'm going for my longest record, Ian. Thank you very much. Um, I, I think last time I was pretty close to my shortest. But tonight, I feel like I have, I have, have had enough time. And I feel like um, this might just be my longest. So that's my goal tonight. My goal tonight is to have my longest message yet. Nowhere near close to pastors, but um, we're going to go ahead and try for it. But I do want to thank Pastor and uh, for allowing me to preach while in his absence. And I do uh, take it seriously, the opportunity to preach to you all. You all came to hear, from, uh, hear something from God. And God has something for you, and I'm the one that has to speak. And that's a lot of uh, responsibility, I know. And um, I hope that you can get something from the message tonight. And I'm looking forward to it and seeing how far we go. All right. It's, it's the weirdest thing. When I'm up here, it, time just goes by super slow. But in Sunday school class, I know Brother, Brother Green mentioned uh, switching some times around. And I'm normally late for Sunday school. I'm at least five or ten minutes late each week. And I don't know what it is. And there I, I just go long. Up here I go short. But um, hopefully we'll see, we'll see how it goes tonight. But turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. When you find it, you can go ahead and stand. Matthew chapter 16. <coughs> And I think I'll just have you there. There's a parallel passage that I'll read to you, but you don't have to turn there. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. It says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And a parallel passage in Mark chapter 8 uh, verses 36 through 37 says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So the title of my message tonight is, What Shall a Man Give? And we'll uh, get into it here in just a second. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Jesus, be thankful this day, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to uh, present your word and present your truths to your people tonight, Lord. Pray that you would just Remove me out of the way and just give me clarity of thought and that people would be able to get something from your word tonight and that you would challenge them and help, it, help them to apply what uh, you would have them to and uh, speak to hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here we have uh, Jesus, if you're following along with the context of this, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Um, shortly before this, we have Jesus asking them, whom do men say that I am and who say ye that I am? Um, Simon obviously giving a good answer and then correcting Jesus later on. Um, and Jesus has to correct Peter and tell him, get, me, get thee behind me, Satan, verse 23. And then he just starts, um, starts with these different illustrations, talking about men and people. How If a man is going to save his life, he has to lose it. And if he's going to... Uh, and if he, if, he wants, if he tries to save his life, he is going to lose it. Um, how that man has to put their trust in Jesus and not in themselves and rely on him for salvation as opposed to themselves and trying to keep it for themselves. And then this, this verse comes along. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever, uh, whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he, if he shall gain the whole world 
and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And I find the questions of Jesus very interesting. I'd like to do a study on it sometime or a series in Sunday school on the questions of Jesus. Because um, Jesus obviously knew everything. And the reason why he asked questions was not for himself or for his own knowledge, but it was for whoever he was speaking to. Um, so I'd like to do a, a study on that sometime. But here we have a question of Jesus. He's asking, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And the main point of this question and, and, this, and these verses, the, the, the verse that leads up to it and the verse, uh, the part of the verse ahead of it that talks about what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world. Uh, the point of that is, the main point of the question is to show that nothing is wor- nothing's worth your soul. Uh, what would somebody actively and purposely give up in exchange for their soul? Um, the answer would be nothing, right? It's kind of kind of a given and understood answer. Nothing. That nothing would be worth your soul. Um, but before we go any further, let's talk about our souls and what it, what is a soul? What are our souls and what um, the what importance our souls have? So first of all, souls differentiate us between animals. Man has a living soul. Animals don't have a living soul. Uh, Genesis 2.7 says, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So God created man differently than any any of the other uh, created beings on earth. Man has a purpose, but man has a living soul. Uh, We're different uh, different from animals. And it's no wonder in today's society that people act the way that they do and they respond the way that they respond and they do whatever they do um, because, we, because our, our educations, uh, systems, our schools, our, um, our colleges, our institutions of higher learning are teaching everybody that we're nothing but animals. That's all we came from. There's no purpose to us. There's no point to us. Uh, we just evolved. And that's we're at the top right now just because of happenstance, nothing because of what you did, just by chance, just by evolution. It's no wonder we have the mindsets that we have today and the young people have uh, the depression that they have today because there's no purpose to them. There's no nothing special about them. Um, but our souls are... Man, uh, God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So we're different um, from other created beings. Our soul will live forever. Our souls is what will live on in eternity. It's our spirit. It's our inner being. It's, it's who we are. Um, it's, um, it's the inner essence of who we are. Um, it's going to last forever. It's going to spend eternity somewhere, either eternity in heaven or an eternity in hell. Um, it was one of two places that the Bible just tells us. Uh, but it's going to last forever. It's something that's never going to end. It's not going to cease. It's not going to uh, go away. Your soul will continue to exist forever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, next, it, it, it's kind of a weird thought to put to it, but it, um, when I was studying it out, it was something that I had never really noticed before. But it's, it's spiritual as well. Um, by spiritual, I mean it's moral as well. The Bible talks about um, all throughout Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, um, how that souls can sin, that souls, um, a soul that sinneth would be cut off, um, or it would bear the iniquity of whatever it did. And it would talk about your soul bearing sins, bearing things, or your soul committing sins, and your soul doing things. So it has a spiritual and a moral aspect to, uh, to it as well. Next, about our souls, we're commanded to seek God with all of our souls. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 29, it says, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all, all thy heart and with all thy soul. Deuteronomy 6, 5 also says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And then again in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. 
and with all thy mind. So we're commanded to follow after and to pursue and to obey God with all of our souls as well. Souls can have emotions, and by emotions, or the emotions that it does have are very extreme. It's nothing uh, laissez-faire, nothing mediocre. The emotions that a soul can have and the feelings that a soul can have are something very extreme. Uh, Samson's soul was vexed because of Delilah's nagging um, over and over and over. The Bible says that his soul became vexed, and he finally gave in. And he gave the secret to his strength and essentially cost him his life because of it. Um, and that's in Judges 16, 16. It says that his soul was vexed. Uh, very, very cumbersome thing. Very, uh, very extreme emotion there. Hannah, uh, the Bible says, Hannah was in bitterness of soul and of a sorrowful spirit, asking the Lord for a child. She wasn't able to have children, and she was in bitterness of soul. Um, that is in 1 Samuel 1.10. David's men um, at one point wanted to kill him, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 36, because their souls were grieved. <coughs> this is a story of when they were out. Um, and a, a troop came in and, and take, took all of their family and all their possessions and all their things, and they were left with nothing. The Bible says that their souls uh, were extremely, <coughs> extremely sorrowful and grieved, and if you understood anything about David's men and the people that followed after him, they loved David. They, were, they did anything for him. They risked their lives for him, uh, but at this point in time, when their soul was grieved, they were talking about stoning him. They were talking about killing him. Um, very extreme emotion there. The Shunammite woman whose son had died, and the Bible says her soul was vexed, um, and it was hidden from uh, Elijah, and that is in 2 Kings 4.27. Job described himself through all that he went through multiple times, talking about how he was in bitterness of soul. So our souls can have emotions (coughs) as well. Souls can have uh, love, and the Bible talks about how a soul can hate something as well. So very strong emotions are tied to your soul and uh, what your souls can actually have. Uh, next, our enemies want our souls. Psalm 63, 9. Uh, but those that seek my soul to destroy it, it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. And then in Psalms 71, 10. For mine enemies speak against me, <coughs> and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together. So our enemies, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they want our soul. Um, if they can't have it um, in hell, they want to destroy it on earth. They want to destroy uh, who you are and and how you feel. And they they don't just want to they don't just want to have it just to have it. They want to have it to destroy it. Uh, Ezekiel eighteen twenty talks about how the sinning soul shall die. The Bible says, "The soul that sinneth it shall die." Uh, but thankfully, in First Peter one nine, we hear about God who can save our souls as well. So our souls can have a lot of different things happen to it. Our souls have a lot of aspects to it. Um, they are eternal. They are emotional. They have. Um, they're spiritual, they're moral, and the enemies, our enemies, the people that are against us, want our souls. So there's a lot of importance and a lot of value to souls. <coughs> a lot of importance is uh, specified in the Bible of showing care for our souls, who we are allowing to possess our so- souls, who are we allowing to influence our souls, and then what are we doing to protect our souls from the attacks of the world. So our souls equal value. The Bible puts a lot of value on it. Uh, think about Jesus. He put his life to save souls, to save the souls of men. Uh, God has put a lot of value on a soul and a lot of worth on it, and it is something that's extremely important. So now let's go back to our question. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What would someone want so bad to be a part of that he would give, um, want so bad that he would give up his emotional, spiritual, eternal soul, soul for? Uh, the answer should be nothing. 
Uh, that should be their answer. That should be the right answer. But uh, what? But a couple couple months ago, this uh, when I got the seed thought for this verse, um, it was read out just how we always read it. What shall a man give in exchange for uh, his soul? And the Holy Spirit pointed out to me that people do make this trade. Normally we think, uh, we typically read this and think to ourselves, man, that's a bad trade. That's why I didn't do it. That's why I got saved, because that's a bad trade. Why would I, why would I ever do that? Um, but the Holy Spirit pointed out to me, people make that trade. People do trade their souls for, for nothing, for, for essentially nothing in the end. And unfortunately, we see a lot of people who do hold on to their souls and trust themselves with it. Instead of God, they live out their lives with sin on their account and to their souls, looking to gain whatever they can in life. And they never stop to think about eternity or their place in it. They trade their souls for the temporal pleasures of life, and then they end up in hell. And unfortunately, the question is more like, what do men trade for their souls instead of what would a man trade for their souls? Um, and, and what do they trade? They, you can pretty much name it. They'll, they'll trade anything for it. Uh, pride, addictions, relationships, um, status, you name it, people will trade it, and they, they're not willing to give those things up in order to come to Christ. And the list goes on and on. And they exchange their eternal soul for that. And it's a, it's a tragic reality when you think about it, and it should motivate us <coughs> to witness to others, uh, because so many are making that terrible trade-off. So many people are trading their souls for something, uh, for, for essentially nothing. But if you're here tonight, um, or if you're here tonight and you're still holding on to your own soul, trusting in yourself, uh, you need to get that fixed. Give your life to Christ and put your trust in him. Otherwise, you're making the same horrible mistake that the world is making. You're, you're, you're saving your own life, and in the end, you're going to lose it, as Jesus says. But to the rest of us in here who are saved, how does this apply to us? Uh, you are, you're sitting here, you say, I am saved. I've given Christ my soul. Um, how does this question still challenge us? Uh, and as, you know how your mind goes a mile a minute sometimes, as that, as that verse was read in a message a couple months ago, um, it, it, I thought of all of that. I thought of, okay, yeah, the world does it. People do make this trade. Um, but then the Lord brought some, a, man in my, a man to mind and a verse to mind in the Bible of somebody who was saved, somebody who, who had uh, salvation uh, from what we can tell. And from what the Bible speaks of him. Um, but he, he made some poor trades concerning his soul. Now, once you're saved, you cannot lose your salvation. You're not going to be able to, there's nothing you can do uh, to, to undo it. But um, as, we, as we talked about, your soul has emotion, your soul has feeling to it as well, and sin that can be still done by it. Um, and there was a man who made poor exchanges regarding his soul and it being affected. And the Lord brought him to mind right away, and I knew it would be a good it would be a good sermon to start working on. So, anyone anyone have a guess of who this person was? Lot. Yes, very good. Lot. Go ahead and turn to Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter two. And we'll pick it up in verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those after that after should live ungodly. So God is talking about different cities he's destroyed, the world he's destroyed before this, um, <coughs> talking about 
um, Noah and the ark, how he destroyed them, uh, the whole world at that point, and then Sodom and Gomorrah and his uh, punishment for his punishment and his destroying of the city there. And verse 7 it says, And delivered just Lot, uh, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man, talking about Lot here, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So we see here that he was bothered with the lifestyle of the people around him, uh, with the wickedness of the world. And it grieved him every day. Every day he was there seeing and hearing what was going on, and it bothered him day after day after day. But the thing is, he didn't have to be there. Um, he chose to be there. So why, why did he do that? Why did he continue to live in that? Why, why would he grieve his soul, as the Bible says, or vex, uh, vex his righteous soul? Sound like a pleasant thing to go through each and every day and, and, and the way of life that you want to live. I want to live my life vexed. I want my soul vexed day to day. Uh, not the life that you would not not the life that you would choose for yourself, uh, but Lot. He seemed to make this choice. He was the one who chose to live there. He was the one who was there. Uh, why would he? Why would he go through that? Why would he continue to be in that environment where his soul was being grieved? You wouldn't go through that day after day unless you were getting something in return. Uh, you wouldn't be putting yourself or, or your soul through being vexed for nothing. Uh, he was tra- trading the sanity of his soul for something, trying to get something. In return, so that brings me to four questions. And that, um, as I as I thought about this, it brought me to four questions. First of all, what was he looking for? Uh, what what was he looking to get for his troubles? Why why was he going through that? What was he willing to give for it? What did he get in exchange for it all in the end? And then what did it actually cost him? Um, so we're going to go ahead and look at those four questions. What was he looking to get for his troubles? What was he willing to give for it? What did he get in exchange for it all in the end? And then what it actually cost him. So first question was, what was he looking to get for his troubles? Uh, You can go ahead and turn to Genesis 13. So the Bible doesn't specifically say what Lot was looking to get. He doesn't say he went for this reason, he went for this reason or that reason. Um, But we can think a little and come to some simple conclusions and see the different things that he would have been getting and the things that he did get. And we can make a fair assumption if that's why he was there and if he was vexing his soul when he didn't have to be there, those are probably the things that he was there for. But verse uh, 13, Genesis, no, Genesis 13, 10, verse number 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plains of Jordan, it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the hand of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. So we see here, I think first of all, he was looking to be well taken care of. Um, initially in his journey towards Sodom and in Sodom, um, he, he was there because the plains were well watered. He was looking to be taken care of. Uh, he wanted to take care of his possessions. He had a lot of people. He had a lot of cattle. He had servants. Um, he had things to take care of. He had a family, we know. Um, and he was looking for the best. He was looking for the best for his family. He wanted his family to be taken care of and his possessions and his things. Um, and that's why he made his decision to go where he went. Um, he wasn't going for, um, wasn't going to be any. 
So yeah, he was looking. He was looking for his needs to be taken care of. Uh, where he was going to be going, uh, he wouldn't have any needs. He'd be well taken care of. There wouldn't be any problems for his cattle. Uh, there wasn't anything bad about that situation. Everything was well watered. There was no rocks. There was no no issues there. Um, so that's why he initially chose uh, to head towards Sodom and to face his tents there. Now, is that a bad thing in and of itself? Wanting to be taken care of. Is that something wrong? Um, is that a wrong philosophy? Is that a wrong mentality? I want to take care of my family. Uh, no, that's not, a, that's not a wrong philosophy, and that's not a wrong uh, perspective. Um, but that's what I can see, first off, why he was there. <laughs> Next, you can turn to Genesis chapter 19. So fast forward in some time, and... Um, well, first, Lot has, um, has all of his possessions and gets, gets taken away captive um, by a group of people that had come against uh, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. He gets captured, um, taken away. Abraham hears of this, goes and rescues Lot, um, and then time goes on. And we don't really hear uh, much what, when Lot moves into the city. Uh, but next time that we find him is right before God is going to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in verse 1, it says... And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. So the next logical thing I can think of, that he reason why he was in Sodom um, and Gomorrah, was for a position. He sat in the gates. He had a position of authority. He had um, some a, a position in the gate which meant there was some respect that would go, come with that. Um, there was to be some authority, probably some good pay, some good money. And he went and moved there for a position. And uh, the next time we find him, he has a position there. So is that a bad thing to, to pursue a position and to res, pursue respect and to pursue, um, uh, pursue money? Not that be your only pursuit, but to want to do well for yourself again. No, that's not necessarily a wrong thing. Um, not necessarily something that we would say, Lot that was wrong, you shouldn't have gone there for that reason. Or that reason is a wrong reason. Um, next thing I, I can think of, and really this is, this is all that I could, could come up with, is just safeties and luxuries of a city. Um, having, having a nice place to, to live, not having to live in the tents, not having to live in the plains, the security of a city, uh, there would be guards there. Um, he wouldn't have to tend and care for all the sheep and manage all of that. Um, an easier and more comfortable way of living. Um, trying to just get comfortable and not have to deal with what he was dealing with before. Um, something that I think kind of supports this is in uh, 1917. And it came to pass when they brought them forth, from, uh, forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. So this is as they're going to destroy it. He says, Hey, get to the mountains. Go out and be by yourselves. And what does Lot say? And Lot said unto them, O oh, no, oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace, and if thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I can, cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape there. So we see here he didn't want to go to the mountains because he was afraid he was going to die. Something would happen to him. Um, so I think, he, I think he just wanted to live in the city. I think he was done with being out in the plains. Um, and he, he wanted the safe, safeties and luxuries of a city. Those are the, really the only three things that I can see in, the sto in this story that Lot would have gained um, and gotten from moving to Sodom. That's, that's all we can find. 
So that, that, let's say that's what he was looking to get. What was he willing to give for it? So he was there, he was a part of that, and those are what, that is what he had. What was he willing to give up for that? Well, first off, he gave up what he had had before. Nowhere do we see him having any flock or possessions after he is in Sodom. We read through chapter 19. You don't see anything about um, any more servants. You don't see anything about uh, sheep or cattle. Um, he, he had to give all of that up to move into the city. He, had, he didn't have that any longer. He gave up what he had had before. He also gave up what he had had before in his relationship with Abraham. He wasn't, he wasn't close to him. There wasn't any conversation with them. Uh, he had given up what he had already had um, previously and what he had gained up until that point. Time. Logically, he had to give up of his time. We're not sure how much time had, trans, uh, had transpired, uh, how much time it, he was in Sodom. Um, <coughs> but the Bible says that he was vexed from day after day, um, giving the idea that he was there for some time. But I would venture to say years in the city, enough time uh, to work his position, work his way into the position in the gate. Uh, enough time that his daughters grew, met, and married men in the city. Uh, so he spent some time there. He spent time there. Um, and is that a bad thing to necessarily spend? No, you're, we're always spending time. Everywhere we go, everything that we do, we're always spending time. Uh, you spend your time for your jobs and for your occupations. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to spend. His talents uh, cost some work and effort uh, for a job in the city. When you work at something, you give your energy towards it. And if you're going to do something, uh, you're typically, especially for a job and your occupation, you're going to give yourself to it. You're going to do your best in it. You're going to put, put a little bit of yourself into it, put uh, sweat and hard work into what, what your hands are doing, whatever occupation, occupation that would be. And I'm sure Lot was of the same way. He gave of his talents. He was there serving in the gate, serving the city, spending, uh, spending of himself there. And then, last but not least, a little bit, a little bit of his soul every day, a little bit of vexing. Um, if, the, if you can say a little bit of vexing, if that is actually a thing. Uh, but every day, giving and exchanging his clear conscience, he lived, with a, he lived with a constant nagging in his spirit because of all the junk and all the mess and all the sin that was going around in Sodom. And um, with everything that they said, everything that they did, um, all he would have to do is just put up with it. And he, you know what? He decided that that's a small trade-off. Um, that's not a big deal. Uh, it's not a big issue. And that should have been his warning sign. This should have been a warning to him to get out, get away. This is not a good place to raise my family. This is not a good situation to be a part of. This is not a good job to be at. This is not good people to be around. Um, but he was willing to make that trade. Um, after all, he probably thought, it's only affecting me. Um, it vex, it's vexing my soul, but I can handle it. Um, and day after day, uh, he traded, uh, he made the exchange for the vexing, vexing on his soul. Uh, he put up with the sin and the wrongdoing day after day, year after year. And again, to gain what? N not, not, that, not that much. A position, um, uh, some security, some things that we would say, why, why would you put up with, with so much sin just for that? Next question, what did he get in the end? What did he get in the end? Um, so for a while, he did receive the comforts of living in a city while it was still standing. Um, he, got, he got some comfort there, uh, but eventually that went away. Uh, we see the position that he worked towards and that he, he gave of his time and efforts and, um, and his uh, focus. 
he, he got that position, but it didn't come with any respect. Uh, the men of the city, when he tried to stop them from uh, what they wanted to do to the, to the men had, that had come, they started scolding him and getting on him, and they had no respect for him. They didn't care about Lot. They didn't care that he was in the city. They called him a soldier, and you're an outsider. You're not, you're not even supposed to be here, really. Um, so, the, so the position that he got didn't come with any respect, didn't come with any authority. Um, it didn't really help him in the end. Uh, was he well taken care of? That was one of the things that he wanted was, as he was <coughs> heading towards Sodom. <coughs> I'm not sure during the time. I'm sure, I'm sure when he was there, um, he had needs taken care of and he, he had them met. Um, he was in the city and he seemed to be doing well as far as a position. Um, but in, I'm not sure about the whole time during, but in the end, he lost it all. And in the end, all in return, what he got was heartache and heartbreak and loss. So that leads us to our last question. What did it actually cost him? Um, it cost Job a lot. It cost uh, the loss of a job. No more source of income for him. No, no more occupation. Um, that's done away with. The city's gone. Loss of coworkers and people that he knew well and worked with. <coughs> people that he might have cared about and had a relationship with and a friendship with. <coughs> lost them. They're gone. Loss of a home. Um, can, can you just imagine just that in, in and of itself, losing your house, imagine going back home tonight and it's gone. Everything in it, all your possessions, all of, everything inside of it, just gone. He lost that as well. Uh, the loss of the security of the city. He didn't have a place to live anymore. The, the security that he was looking to get and that he wanted in a city <coughs> didn't have that anymore. Um, <coughs> loss of all the things that he got rid of when he, that he first had that he le left to get into Sodom, his servants, his cattle. The loss of his daughters and his son-in-laws. Um, we know at least two of his daughters were there uh, when the city was destroyed. Two of his son-in-laws were there. Um, and it wouldn't be much of a stretch to say possibly even grandchildren. Um, he had two daughters that were married. Um, and if they had been married for some time, <coughs> possibly grandkids. The loss of his wife in the escape of the city. He lost his wife when she turned back. <coughs> So in the end, it not only cost him his, a little bit of his soul every day while he was there, but it also cost him the souls of his family as well. Uh, even the ones that, that lived and that made it out, they had no standards. They got their fathers drunk, father drunk and laid with him, and then raised two heathen nations. I'd say spiritually, um, they, they had, their soul was lost as well. Um, so he thought he was just trading his own soul and just a little bit of grieving, just a little bit of vexing of my spirit. I can put up with it. I can handle it. Um, but in the end, it was so much more than that. More the, tragic than losing a piece of his mind, uh, uh, losing the piece of his mind um, and his own soul being vexed. He exchanged his family souls for what he was looking to gain. And it ultimately cost him everything. Um, not what he was looking to exchange at first, not, not what he was thinking that he was getting in, that the bargain that he was looking for. Um, in our main verse <coughs> back in Matthew, <coughs> the question asks, what shall it profit if the whole world would gained, was gained but you lose your soul? Uh, that's not what Lot was attempting to have. Uh, it didn't seem like he was trying to gain the world, uh, but it ended up ended up costing him his whole world with nothing, nothing to show for it. And that's really the essence of that question, I think, that Jesus is asking. Um, <coughs> whatever we get in exchange for, for our soul or a piece of it, whatever, whatever it is, it's never going to be worth it, even if it's the whole world, even if it's everything that we could possibly want, which it won't be, uh, but even if it was everything we could want, uh, what we lose is far more valuable than what we gain. So my question for you tonight is, what are you exchanging for your soul? 
I'm not saying you're making the same exact exchanges that Lot made and you're making the same decisions that he made, <coughs> but we can make similarly horrible trades as well. Uh, first off, maybe it's direct sin in your life. Let's go ahead and turn to Proverbs 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Maybe directs in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 8, verse number 36, 836, But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. So the Bible says uh, when, we, when we wrong something, someone, we've not given, we haven't done right by them. We haven't done right for them. Um, and the Bible says when we sin, we're doing wrong for our own soul. We're hurting ourselves. We're not helping ourselves in that. Um, so, what, so what sin is in our lives, what sin is in your life tonight uh, that you have, that you're keeping, um, that you're exchanging for, uh, for your own soul or go, uh, sinning against yourself? Uh, maybe it's some extra money by skipping church, some worldly music. Maybe it's a movie or a show, your dress standards, your moral standards, your tongue, your pride, bitterness, language. What pet sin are, do you have in your life that you're making a trade for? Um, what, what sin are you keeping around longer than it needs to be? And what sin are you tolerating in your own life um, <coughs> and making that exchange? You know it's wrong. It's grieving your spirit. It's grieving your soul. Uh, but you're still putting up with it. Um, and the devil's, really good at, um, the devil's really good at making deals. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 14, it is, not, it is not, saith the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasteth. Uh, the devil's really good at making seem like it's not a big deal. It's not that bad of a trade-off. Um, go ahead and say that. Go ahead and think that. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and go there. You can do whatever you want, and you can make whatever trade you want, and it's fine, and it's not that big of a deal. The devil's really good at, at doing that. Uh, but then the second part of that verse is, but when he has gone away, then he boasts. The reason why he's after it so much is because he knows the value of it. He knows the value of his soul. That he knows the impact of this, that your soul has, the emotions that it has, and uh, the strength of it, and how much actual value it has. <coughs> But he tries to tell you it's not a big deal if you don't go to church. It's not a big deal if you use that language. It's not a, deal, a big deal if you have that language. And whatever you're trading now, let me remind you what you're trading it for. Uh, let me rem remind you tonight that it's not worth it. Your joy. Uh, black backslidden Christians are the most miserable people. People that are black backslidden, they have enough of the, enough of the world um, that they can't enjoy church, they can't enjoy being there, and they've got enough of uh, the world in them that they, uh, yeah, that they can't enjoy church, but they've got enough church in them that when they go to the world, again, their soul is grieved, uh, they're convicted, and they just can't, they can't fit in, and they can't relax in it. So they're just miserable wherever they go. Um, so, so that's what you're trading, your joy, your peace, your happiness, uh, your family, your future. You'll lose all those things in the end and will have gained nothing. It's not worth the trade. So why, why do we make the trade? Why do we do that? Um, foolishness. <laughs> We're not thinking things through. We're not realizing the effects of what that trade is and what, or how valuable uh, what we're trading. So maybe it's direct sin in your life. Maybe it's a sin in others or a wrong situation that you're just tolerating for too long. A uh, situation that's affecting your family more than you realize. Uh, maybe it's a work situation. 
a family situation, unaddressed sin with your family, those, uh, those shows or music you allow uh, your kids to watch, and you have to constantly be on these things. There's, all, there's, there's music, there's agendas, there's, um, there's all sorts of things, and, and anything that we watch and everything that you, partake, you participate in everywhere you go, um, and you have to be careful. You have to be guarding. You have to be watching for those things. And it's a, it's a tough job to constantly watch uh, for what's influencing you and your family. Maybe it's just lost family and the sin and the environment that come with that. Um, and you, we need to be careful of what we're tolerating um, <coughs> and what we think we can handle. Lot tolerated way too much uh, for way too long. Um, so we should not make the same mistake. He, toler- he, he put up with it. He said, I can handle it. Um, it ended up costing him his family. And personal sin will do that in your life that's just the same. Uh, when your kids see it in you, they see uh, the anger, they see the hate, they see the language, the double standards, the, 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 the wrong movies, the wrong places. They see that, it's going to impact them just as much as it impacted Lot's family. And you think you can handle it, you can't. Um, but even worse than that, you're, trading, you're not just trading yourself for it, but you're trading your, the influence of, uh, that it has on your kids as well. What we need to do is take heed to the warning signs and to be sensitive <coughs> to, the, to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lot had that daily, uh, that constantly, uh, daily vexing uh, that should have been a warning to him. And that's what preaching is. Preaching is a warning to the soul. And whoever listens to that warning is saving themselves from trouble. Ezekiel 33, 5 says, He, uh, he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Um, that's what preaching is. It's, uh, uh, New Testament talks about uh, lifting up your voice as a trumpet. It's a warning. It's a signal to other people. Hey, this is wrong. It's the wrong way to go. It's the wrong path to take. Uh, don't go there. Don't do that. And when you're just ignoring that, you're not helping yourself. You're, you're, you're missing the warning signs. And that's why the pastor takes his job very seriously. He's dealing with the souls of people here at the church, um, and he, he's dealing for our souls, all of us. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account that they may do it with joy, <coughs> not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Uh, so the Bible talks about how a pastor watches for the souls of his people. He has a concern for that. He cares for it. Um, he warns of sin and the consequences of it. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and he convicts and he works on our hearts. Um, he, he, he convicts us during the messages. He convicts us during the invitations. He says, you know that's not right. Why are you putting up with it? You know that's not right. Why are you doing that? Why are you partaking it? Why are you involved in it? But what do we do? We just con- Typically, we just continue in our sin, don't we? We think we can handle it. And it's not that big of a deal until it is. So what should we do then? Well, first of all, we need to just stop trading. Stop trading our souls or the souls of our family for sin, for convenience, for comfort, for anything. Um, Heed the warning signs. Heed heed the conviction. um, Heed the preaching. And get the sin out of our lives. Uh, Stop the trading and start following the Lord again. The Bible talks about in Psalms 23.3 that he restoreth. uh, The Bible talks about how God restores souls. He can bring you back to where you were and bring you back to where you need to be and where you're supposed to be at. Um, But you first have to stop trading and stop um, stop making those trades. Secondly, first stop trading. Second, start following after God with all your soul. Uh, back in Matthew 22, 22, 37, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. 
And the Bible says that we can keep all the commandments of the law and the prophets if, if we were to do that and love our neighbors as ourselves. But uh, we would be doing what's right. If we're following after God with all of our soul, we're <coughs> obeying his word. We're, we're treating others right. We're having the right type of mindset and mentality. We're making the right decisions in every aspect of our life. Start following after God. What happens when we follow after God and serve him with all of our soul? Let's go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 30. Verse number six, we'll start. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and upon them that hate thee, which persecute thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all of his commandments, which I have commanded thee. Um, so first off, we can see that we would ha we'll have life. If we follow after um, and serve after him, we're going to have life. Um, he's going to deal with our enemies. He's going to make us plenteous. The Bible says, plenteous in work, plenteous in our family, plenteous in our possessions. Um, in Deuteronomy 11, let's go ahead and turn there. Deuteronomy 11, verse 30, 13. For sake of time, I'll go ahead and start reading. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain. And thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, and thou may, that thou mayest eat and be full. And be full. Uh, so we see here that God is going to take care of our needs and that we'll be full. He'll, he'll supply, he'll take care of us, and he'll, um, <laughs> he'll look after us. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. Uh, go ahead and turn to 13... Uh, Deuteronomy 13. Um, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. All of those things are true, and all those things will be true. But there may still be times of testing. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 13:3, "Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul." So yes, He's going to take care of us. Yes, He's going to make us plenteous. Yes, He'll deal with our enemies. Uh, but there'll be times that we're still tested. There'll be times that He wants to see: Are we truly seeking Him with all of our our soul, as it says in the end of that verse. He's going to try us. He's going to test us and see, and see if we're actually doing it for what's right or doing it for the wrong reasons. That was Lot's accusations, uh, accusation against Job. Uh, he's just doing that because you protect him. He's just doing that because you care for him. You take away those things, and he's going to curse you, and, and he's not going to continue to follow after you. Um, he's only doing that <coughs> because of what you do for him. Um, but that was uh, Satan's argument against him. And I encourage you, for sake of time, we really don't have enough time to go through all of it. Uh, I think there's over 400 references of the word soul in, in the Bible. And, but if you read through, I, I would encourage you to do a study of the word soul in Psalms and all of the stages that a soul can be in and go through um, throughout Psalms. And through it, you'll find, you'll find ups, you'll find downs, you'll find enemies attacking, you'll find all sorts of things that your soul can go through. Um, but throughout it all, throughout Psalms, you can see the constant theme within it is that the safest place your soul can rest is in God's care. Um, and and that, that is the safest place for your soul, the safest person to have your soul, the safest, uh, uh, safest person uh, you can trust with it. 
And if you study it out throughout Psalms, again, for sake of time, we, we don't have time. I, I would really like to, but we just don't. Um, but if you study it out, everything Lot was looking for in his trade would have been met, and so much more, if he had given his soul to God. Everything he was looking for in Sodom, all those things that he wanted, the position, the authority, the respect, the care, the protection, um, the convenience, all of those things he could have gotten if he had given his soul to the Lord and if he had followed after the Lord with all his soul. He was looking for it. Um, he just went to the wrong person and made the wrong trade to try to get that. Um, <coughs> he should have... <hit. coughs> He could have had all the things he was looking for in life uh, if he had sought the Lord with all his soul instead of vexing his soul in Sodom. So in closing, what is your soul worth to you? Um, God put a lot of value on your soul. Um, <coughs> there's a lot of aspects to your soul. It's eternal. It lasts forever. Um, it has deep emotions. And it can do right. It can do wrong. But what is the worth of your soul to you? Or worse, what is worth the soul of your family? Uh, the right answer is nothing, uh, but do your actions agree with that statement? The things that you do, the things that you partake of, do your actions prove that statement as, no, nothing is more valuable than my soul, nothing is more valuable than the souls of my family? What kind of trades have you been making in your life? What shall a man give for his soul? Whatever it is, uh, whatever you may have been <coughs> exchanging, You'll have an opportunity tonight to come and get that right um, and stop making those wrong exchanges. Stop making those trades. Uh, <coughs> stop making the trades and start seeking after the Lord. And you can see, you can see change and you can see victory. Uh, but if you continue making those trades, you continue ma making those bargains, uh, you're going to end up with nothing and you're going to end up in the similar instance of Lot, um, having lost all but nothing to show for it. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.